0: Welcome to episode 17 of the Ask Achieve show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business.
1: We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be covering our top three certifications, how to know your fitness level, and how to push past a plateau in the bench press. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show.
0: All right, episode 17.
1: Two this week.
0: Yeah, our first double week, actually. So hopefully we can continue this trend Mondays and Wednesdays. Um, Special announcement that we'd like to make is that we are launching our first internship program, actually. So Ted and Sarah are heading this program, and it's going to be a summer internship. It's going to start June 1st to August 31st. And we would like our um, applications are due by March 1st. So if you're interested or know anyone who might be interested... Um, go to achievefitnessboston dot com forward slash pages forward slash internship.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a summer full of learning, fun. You get to experience the environment of Achieve and and really get to the ins and outs of what we what we prioritize um, for our coaches at Achieve and what we think that coaches should prioritize in their training. So yeah,
0: I mean, outside of actually being an employee at Achieve, this is probably going to be the closest look and probably the deepest look into what we actually do at achieve on a daily basis. So looking forward to that. Um,
1: all right. Should we get right into the questions today? Yes. So we've got three of them. Number one is from Jessica Storch and she asked, uh, top three certifications outside of our PT cert that you found the most impactful slash useful to your growth and work as coaches.
0: Cool. So we're, we're, um, we're friendly with Jessica and I, I think she said top three certs outside of our normal PT cert um, because she and we know that your baseline certification, your NASM or your NSCA or ACE, whatever entry-level certification uh, that you have, um, it's going to be just that. It's going to be entry-level. So it's going to just basically get you the bare minimum of knowledge of anatomy and physiology and basic uh, program design, um, things like that. So she's looking for specialty certifications that really would kind of set you apart from other coaches and also really further your knowledge.
1: Yeah. So we'd probably start with Strong First. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a little bit broad because there's actually a lot of certifications within the Strong First umbrella. Um, so if we had to pick one, we'd pick the SFG, which is the Strong First Kettlebell, kettlebell certification. Um, we would pick that one. I mean, maybe we're just biased because it was the first one we did, <laughs> um, and it was the in the beginning, it was the only one that there was. Um, and now they, on top of the kettlebell certification, they also have a body weight certification and a barbell certification. Um, we'd recommend getting them all. Um, we think that they're all really useful. But the kettlebell certification gives you um, insight into training kettlebells that you can't really get anywhere else. Um, it's definitely the best of the best when it comes to kettlebell certs, and it gives you just so much more than what to do with a kettlebell. It gives you strategies and techniques that you can use in any area of your training. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I, th- I think it just out- outperforms any other, like, tool certification out there, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, it, it, yeah, the Strong First is, is definitely considered the gold standard in terms of kettlebell certifications. But they, the Strong First dubs themselves uh, the School of Strength. Um, and that's because most people, when they enter the Strong First, um, uh, the SFG curriculum, they'll find that if they go to a Strong First barbell or a Strong First bodyweight um, certification, that there's so much carryover because strength with a certain tool will very uh, much m- more than likely have some sort of carryover to a different tool because it's still your body and all the same um, techniques and concepts still apply right right
1: yeah exactly and they're they're not like shy about saying that they don't think that one tool is the the ultimate way to train um, yeah. they do a really good job though of teaching each specific tool um, and making sure that you're getting the best the most that you can out of that tool so they do that with the barbell they do that with the kettlebell and they do that with body weight training um, which I think is really great
0: yeah it was really the first time we ever heard the concept of strength being a skill and being Mm -hmm. making sure that your workouts aren't just like workouts that beat you you to the ground but are more practice sessions where you really treat each set as a kind of like a practice workout in itself where you're really um (laughs) practicing (laughs) the skill
1: (laughs) There's a lot of practice
0: and concepts like grease the groove where you take each set not to failure but to technical failure where your reps start to slow down and your form starts to break down so you want to cut the sets short in order to keep the sets uh, very fresh.
1: Yeah. So lots of just really, really good concepts in there that mm-hmm. you can apply to all different areas of your training. So if you're going to pick one, we'd go SFG, um, but we'd say get them all, get all the strong first. Yeah,
0: series. as soon as you get on one, more than likely you'll be hooked on the other Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, second probably would be FMS. Um, the functional movement screen um, definitely really totally changed the way that we looked at um, at fitness, um, prior to the FMS, it was all body parts, really. Like our knowledge was doing like back and bys and Mm -hmm. chest and tries and legs and that sort of body part split and functional movement screen was like, or functional movement systems came along and they were like, you know, your body isn't, it doesn't work in isolation. It works in unison with the rest of the other body parts. So you might as well look at your body, um, and break it down in terms of patterns that you do. So, pushing and pulling, squatting, hinging, um, and just, it just really forced us to kind of take a step back and, and realize that the human body was much more intricate than just a a bunch of little pieces. It's very much tied together.
1: Yeah. So again, it's one of those things that even if you aren't planning on using the screen um, as an assessment tool, that's fine. It's still, we think a valuable certification to go through just to get the the knowledge and understanding of where they're coming from, why they ever set up the screen in the first place, and and understanding how to look for certain um, movement, you know, compensations or asymmetries with somebody, and and how you can actually address those instead of just thinking about working out as working specific muscles or body parts.
0: Yeah, so, yeah,
1: great. That would be two, and then three. What would you say? Precision nutrition. Probably
0: precision nutrition. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um. So any. Anybody who's ever trained anyone knows that even though your certification is a personal trainer, you're going to get nutrition questions. Like there's just no (laughs) doubt about it. People are going to expect you to know something about nutrition. Your
0: friends and your family, as soon as they find out (laughs) that you're a coach.
1: Yeah. Like everyone's going to be like, what should I eat? And that's one of the early questions that you'll start to get. And we were kind of like, well, we're not nutritionists, right? Like that's not, we didn't go to school for that. So precision nutrition, I would say is the closest you can get to getting like a miniature degree in nutrition it's so well laid out their curriculum is is incredible and it's really well um it's really diversified so you can get a little bit of knowledge in all different areas of nutrition um, and the best thing that it does is it teaches you how to coach someone through a nutrition program um, it teaches you not to just write a meal plan for someone which you you really technically can't do if you if you're not a registered dietitian or a nutritionist um, but instead to encourage them to focus on their habits and to build habits over time and to go slow um, to focus on not just what they're eating but how like slowing down their eating and being more mindful. Um, so there's just more to it than just eat protein this much protein and this much carbohydrate and this much fat because that's not really how people go about putting together their meals and like <laughs> I mean unless they're they're trainers unless they're like, somebody who does this for a living, they're not thinking about their macronutrient breakdown. They're just trying to get a well-balanced meal in. And Precision Nutrition does a really good job of explaining how to help people do that in a way that feels not too overwhelming and, like, easily fit into their, their daily lives.
0: Yeah, I mean, prior to P.N., I think, like, I would just ask for someone's food log and then basically, you know, take bits and pieces that could have been improved and told them specifically... Maybe you should eat this, and maybe you should eat this at a certain time, or et cetera, et cetera, and gave very specific uh, guidelines to follow. And a lot of times, actually, it usually yielded some pretty good results, but in the long term, probably not the most sustainable thing ever. So um, once we found out about precision nutrition, the habits just made so much more sense, gave such better guidelines and much more flexibility, which is what we want because we want fitness to be a very sustainable, long-term approach as opposed to being very um, cut and dry this is what you need to do otherwise you are not successful at you're it. right right so yeah those are our big three um, we answered this in a previous episode but we thought we might want to revisit it um, and I think we actually said the exact same certifications <laughs> um, but just wanted to throw a few more out there just kind of like rapid fire um, if you're into running uh, we are partial to the Pose Method certification. Um, one of our coaches, Ted, um, has taken that on, and it's, it's definitely been a very good addition to uh, sort of our repertoire. Um, if you are into Olympic lifting or would like to get into it, USAW, uh, we're partial to an instructor named Danny Camargo. He's out in Florida. Uh, we're actually hosting him sometime in the fall. We're trying to nail down the date, uh, but we'll keep you guys posted on that. Um, what else do we have?
1: Um, um, the CFSC
0: Oh, yeah, CFSC, yeah, actually, yeah. So the Certified Functional
1: Strength Coach. Strength coach. I always <laughs> forget that, what it stands for. <laughs> Certified Functional Strength Coach. Um, it's through uh, Mike Boyle Strength Conditioning, and it is a very, like, we, we haven't actually personally done it, um, but have heard great things. We know the people who run it. They're excellent coaches, and they're really giving you a breakdown of, um, A lot of just the functional aspect of training and like the day to day, what you're gonna see with either athletes or general population. Um, And I really think that it's probably one of the better, um, like, starter certifications out there.
0: Absolutely. It just gets you right into the kind of like coaching aspect of things as opposed to just reading things on a textbook and then hopefully applying it later on. It's like it gets you into the thick of coaching right away which we think is great. Um, and then actually speaking of, of coaching and just being into more of a real-world environment, uh, there are a lot of mentorship programs out there. Like um, I know that um, Mike Boyle has one because we, we went to that one. Uh, Exos um, has one, which is very world-renowned. Um, but anytime any of these sort of top facilities offer a mentorship, um, we would definitely recommend going just because it gets you into an actual gym setting uh, where a lot of this textbook knowledge is actually applied And you can understand how they actually go through the rationale of, you know, picking what exercise to use or what periodization scheme to use and things like that. So it's a lot more applicable, we think. Yeah. Yeah that's about it cool. for the question.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously we have a lot of, we, we very very much value continuing education. Um, so there would be very few things that we would be like, no, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. um, if you have something that you're interested in, like a specific topic, go learn about it. Go take a certification. Um, I also liked, I don't care, I might've even said this in the last one too, but um, Brett Jones said uh, in one of our last Strong First Sorts that I was assisting at, um, he said, I would recommend taking a certification that you don't agree with. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Like go do something that you right now have a bias against because either you'll confirm your bias against it and that's fine, but you still may come away with one or two things that you learn, or you may completely change your mind and realize that you actually didn't really know what you're talking about <laughs> and you, you were biased against it for the wrong reason. So I thought that was interesting too, if you're running out of like new certifications to, To take, but you still are hungry to learn more about this industry, maybe take something that your peers are are doing that you don't necessarily agree with, but see what it's all about. Um, and, and you'll probably learn at least a few things from it. So yeah, yeah. totally. All right, cool. Let's move on to question number two. This is on Instagram. The handle is someone underscore (laughs) six, three, seven. they said, hi, please explain how, how can I know what fitness level I'm at? Is there a certain workout slash repetition that would give that info if I could complete them? Um, So basically asking, like, is there any benchmark for your fitness level? Is there anything that tells you you're a beginner, you're intermediate, or you're advanced?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is tough. I mean, fitness, I mean, there's so many different qualities to it, right? Like, I would say that I'm intermediate to advanced in terms of strength training, but in terms of running, I'd be, like, the most beginner ever, (laughs) or flexibility I'd be horrible at. So, like, there's just so many different qualities, and I think that people get really caught up in terms of, Oh, I'm I'm okay at this, but I'm not good at that, so I I must not be fit, right? There's just mm. so much comparison going on because there are so many qualities that one can attain, and it's nearly impossible to to attain all of them. Right? right?
1: Yeah, definitely. I would definitely not like. Hopefully, this isn't a question that uh, you would like base yourself worth or, or like how, right. how much you put, how much pride you take in your own fitness level because of this. Um, because that just, yeah, I mean, you, it just, like Jason said, there's too many aspects of quote unquote fitness, um, to really have anybody be a straight beginner, straight intermediate, straight advanced. We all have such diverse backgrounds and histories. And like, if you were, if you played sports when you're younger, like you're probably you have more knowledge in that area than somebody else. And so um, yeah, it's very, very hard to define. So one way, one way that we can define it a little bit is, and we typically, I guess we're talking mostly about strength training here, just because this is the population that we work with is your, what we would call your training age. And so instead of saying beginner, we would just say that you are, you have a young training age, which means you haven't been strength training for very long, maybe one or two one or two years you would be a young you'd be young right not beginner <laughs> yeah. but yeah. young you've only been training for a couple of years so you're young yeah. then maybe you've been training for three four five years and you have like a i don't know
0: more of an intermediate intermediate
1: yeah type training age and then a more advanced training age would be like five years or more yeah um and that's really arbitrary as well, really. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, we could say certain standards like a double bodyweight deadlift, but I mean, I know some people that are just genetically gifted and can double body weight their deadlift like within a couple months of actually strength training. And then there are people that have been strength training their like entire lives, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, and they haven't gotten to that point. So it's so arbitrary that you try to hold yourself up to a certain standard and if it doesn't work out to not feel good about the time you've been putting into the gym is definitely just not a great mindset to be in.
1: So there's like probably – I'm imagining where this question might be coming from a little bit is like I used to get a lot of my workout ideas from magazines um, or Um, from articles, and they will say like beginner – intermediate and advanced levels of workouts, right? Right, So it'll give you like three different options. That's true. So what I would do is not choose I'm a beginner or I'm intermediate or I'm advanced ahead of time, but look at the workout. And if you've never done anything in the beginner workout, do that. Because you've never done them, so they're new to you. If you have done all the things in the beginner workout and you've done, like, one or two things in an intermediate, go to the intermediate. And if you've done all the beginner, all the intermediate, go to the advanced. But don't put yourself in a box of, this is, like, where I'm at. Also, don't be afraid to be a beginner. If even if you feel like you have an advanced training age, but you see a workout that seems new to you, that's different stuff that you haven't done before, do the beginner stuff. It's not going to hurt you if you've never done it before and it's new and it's and it's a well thought out program. It's a great idea to just be a beginner.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I remember this one. This one. There was like this trending topic on social media, and it was uh, analyzing Steph Curry, who um, plays for the Warriors, and and he's he's eventually going to go down as one of the greatest players of all time, Hall of Famer. But he had a video of himself trap bar deadlifting. And I think he was deadlifting 400, which is still pretty good. And people were just ripping on him, saying that he wasn't strong enough, that their strength coach needs to be fired. And and it's like this guy is at the top of his game, definitely fit. But people are (laughs) saying that he's weak and not fit. Like it's just there's always something to critique. So if you – yeah, it just gets very convoluted with this whole situation. Yeah, if you don't (laughs) meet
1: a certain standard that people are – touting as like the like whether or not you're fit don't sweat it don't worry about (laughs) it because there's probably other ways that you're you're fit i mean base it on how you feel and if you can accomplish the things in your daily life that you want to accomplish because that's fitness right fitness is being fit enough to do what you want to do in life so if you want to get down and crawl around on the floor with your kids like you're fit if you can do that Um, if you want to be a professional basketball player, like there's going to be a different requirement of you, but if you can do it, then you're fit. So just make sure that you're not comparing yourself to other people and you're really just comparing yourself to, or not comparing yourself, but just, uh, having your standards be based around your life, not somebody else's.
0: Yeah. Focus on yourself.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So hopefully that helps and clears it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, (sighs) all right. And the last question comes from a underscore Tully 24. Uh, he said, I personally have plateaued on my bench press of 255 and tried 265 a few times and can't get it. I have varied my reps and my entire workout, so I'm stuck and don't know what else to do. All so, right. this is a little higher level.
0: Yeah, this is very high level, and this is very, very specific, going from 255 <laughs> bench to 265. Um, so, we usually don't ask another question after, we usually try to just answer that um, question without context on the show, but. Um, it's just, there's just too many variables. So I actually went ahead and asked, um, him, I said, great question. What's been your sets and rep scheme for the past few months? How often do you switch up your rep scheme and how many times a week do you bench press? And he responded with, so I usually bench about twice a week and I'll go heavy one day, keep the reps between one to five and slowly increase on the other day. And I'll keep the reps to eight to 10 and keep the weight the same. And on both days, go into my normal routine of incline, floor press, and a few other chest exercises. And I could have gone even further in terms of like what his training age was or what his exact program was prior. What else is he doing in terms of like, is he doing lower body lifts as well? Or is he just focusing on upper body? Um, Where is the sticking point? Is it the lockout, which maybe means he needs more tricep strength? Or is it at the bottom where maybe he needs some more pause bench presses or some positional drills and things like that um there's so many different ways we can go with this um but it seems like based on his answer he is so he's doing one heavy day and one higher rep day which is probably a slightly um what do you say keeping
1: the eight to ten reps keeping the weight keeping the
0: the weight the same so i would say that he's probably not really tapping into um very heavy weights too often if he's able to keep the same rep range from the one to five to the eight to ten, keeping the weights the same. Right? No, I don't
1: think that's what he's saying. Oh, I think he's saying so like, keep the oh. reps. when he's doing the eight to ten rep day, he's keeping the weight the same.
0: <laughs> okay, for gotcha. Eight to
1: ten reps. Okay, so he's right. not increasing that. We gotcha. To week. All
0: right, so there are two routes I would go with this person. Um, Knowing just this information. So one route is to have more specific blocks where maybe you spend four to eight weeks where both bench press days are at a higher volume and then slowly over time increase your weights and slowly decrease your reps. So you're spending more time as opposed to kind of like keeping your hand in both different areas actually fully committing to higher volume and then slowly trickling down to more of a higher strength sort of block. And then the the second suggestion is to actually add in a third bench press day and maybe take away some of the assistance exercises like the incline or the floor press um, and actually bench three times a week. So what I would recommend here is on the day that's higher volume, so eight to 10 repetitions, I would start off at anywhere from 55 to 65 percent. And each week, increase about 2.5 to 5 pounds. On the second day, do anywhere from 5 to 8 repetitions and go from 65 to 75%, somewhere within that range. And again, increase 2.5 to 5 pounds. And then on the third day, do a heavier day where you do 1 to 5 repetitions and start in the 75 to 85% region. And eventually, you get to a point where you're hitting some pretty heavy weights in that 1 to 5 region. And eventually, you're, you should be able to peek into a pretty good max out. But the main goal is just to get um, more volume, So, which is why we want to add that third day. And I feel like taking away some of the assistant stuff will actually help out in the long run because it will tax them to the point where it might hinder his progress on a normal main bench press day, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Um, yeah, and another thing that we see that we, Jason and I, both used to do all the time is Trying not to. It's very tempting to test out your max Hmm. all the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you just want to know, like, is what I've been doing working? But we we recommend not testing out your max lift, like, more than three times a year. Yeah. Um, If you do that, you're just – it's actually extremely taxing. Even though it's just one repetition, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. It's extremely taxing on your central nervous system. You get really – your body kind of breaks down. It gets really tired just from that max effort lift. Um, so, doing that too often actually is going to inhibit you from being able to make progress. So, try to do, stick to a program where you're doing sub maximal weights for an extended period of time, but building as you go. So start pretty sub-maximal, like Jason said, like 55%, 65%. And then over time, maybe over the course of like three or four months, build up, build up, build up, and then have one day where you actually go ahead and test your max. But try not to do it too often.
0: That's such a good point because, yeah, I mean, we used, to, <laughs> we used to text our maxes, I don't know, six, seven times a year probably, yeah, just trying to see where we're at and trying to, I guess, probably stroke our ego. We're like, yeah. oh, this is, <laughs> this is what we can do now. But now at this point, I mean, we got pretty banged up we started to lose a lot of sort of like our passion for lifting because it was becoming so draining to do these grinding heavy lifts over and over again especially in the process of running a business or starting a business at the time um so now i mean what we gauge it as like i I can't remember the last time i actually maxed out it
1: was at least a year Um, for me
0: but i know i'm stronger because i'm using rpe so rate of perceived exertion and i know that certain weights um have a certain feel to them and i know that they feel much easier for me now and um because i'm not striving to do these one RM max attempts i'm getting less banged up and i'm able to lift a lot more consistently so now we're lifting on average about three to four times a week whereas before we were doing two to three like heavy grinding sessions a week and it just wasn't dreading
1: our workouts yeah (laughs) it just
0: wasn't uh producing the consistency enough to build up our overall training volume so yeah, now we're doing, we're getting a lot more with less
1: almost. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully the combination of those tips uh, helps that out. And anybody who's kind of struggling and feeling like they're hitting a plateau, you can apply that same same methodology to any of your lifts. Um, and hopefully that should help. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. That Diesel will just woke up. So. It. Yeah, Diesel <laughs> just woke up. I don't know if you heard his little collar shake, but <laughs> just woke up and stretched off the end of the couch, so...
0: Um, All right, so yeah, if you could email us any questions you have to podcast at podcast.achievefinishboston.com, that would be great. Uh, We always put out a little story on our Instagram to uh, ask for questions on the day of. We're going to try to do this every Monday and Wednesday afternoons, um, so keep an ear out for those. (laughs) Um,
1: And I guess that's about it. That's about it. So until next time, peace, love, and and muscles. muscles.